0: Greetings urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Greg Peterson here and welcome to the 286th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast where three days a week we work together educating and inspiring you to become part of your food revolution. Nature doesn't waste energy and by using these natural cycles to work in our favor we can harvest both plants and fish. Let us teach you how. Just text GROWFISH to 33444 or visit IWANTTOGROWFISH.com and you will receive our free webinar on how to grow your own fish-powered garden. Today on our podcast, we have someone who doesn't mind getting a little dirty while she works. We're talking to Emily Rocky about how life begins in the soil. Emily received her degree in plant sciences from the University of Arizona. In the past, she worked at Longwood Gardens in Pennsylvania, Walt Disney World's Epcot Center, and the Tucson Botanical Gardens. She is currently the Director of Sales and Marketing for Fairfax Companies in Tucson, which specializes in green landscape debris recycling, construction debris recycling, and more. Emily brings her passion for both plants and recycling to the company's composting operation. This is where they convert landscape debris into organic compost, which is then returned to the gardens and green spaces of Tucson. They offer an entire line of organic green and landscape materials, which are good for people, plants, and planet, and are available under the name Tank's Green Stuff. With her nickname, The Dirt Girl, that has to be an interesting story. It is not hard to see that Emily loves talking about the importance of compost, microbes, and soil. Welcome to the show today, Emily.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Absolutely. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today?
1: Wow. Thank you. I I think that that story... Probably begins as a a child, I was outside playing in the dirt all the time in the garden, very interested in nature and what was going on underneath my feet. And then really when it became time for career choices and college major decisions, I asked myself, what, what do I really love? What do I love to do? And on the list, of course, there's, you know, puppies and food and sunsets, but of course, (laughs) flowers and plants, you know, I had just been with them my whole life. So I took a few plant sciences courses and I got my hands working with plants and flowers and I was hooked. I knew I had found it. And in, in that journey, you know, through through college, I actually did an independent study on compost
2: oh, um, nice. by chance
1: never knowing that I'd really be working in compost in the future. I really, I love the process of, of composting and decomposition and the way soil feels in the hand. So after my degree in plant sciences, I began working in public gardens, as you mentioned, uh, Longwood Gardens, and explored controlled environment agriculture and production of food in greenhouses. Very, you know, dense production of, of food is in greenhouses, uh-huh. which led me to work at Epcot Center in Walt Disney World Florida. And they grow in all sorts of very creative and different ways in under glass. Mm -hmm. And then I wanted to travel and I felt like I wanted to get back to the soil. So I I went to Europe and I woofed. Do you know about the Woof Network?
0: Oh, absolutely. But you brought it up. Now you need to explain it.
1: Okay. Well, Woof stands for Worldwide Opportunities on Organic Farms, and I highly recommend this experience to anybody that can take some time to to trade their work for either you know housing and board and food. You actually stay at a farm. There's a whole network of of farms that are linked into the Woof W W O O F network, and I chose six farms in Italy. Really oh, enjoyed the experience. Nice. Yeah. So that I got my hands pretty dirty there, and I woofed uh, back in Tucson as well. When I came back uh, to the states at a biodynamic farm here in in Tucson, where I live. And then after that, I took the curator of horticulture position at Tucson Botanical Garden. Mm -hmm. A few years there, I I kind of changed to fulfill a desire to work in a very unique green recycling industry and found the position here at the Fairfax Companies, where we recycle all types of materials, plastics, cardboards, and whatnot. But the division that really gets me excited is our recycling of our organic material, our green waste, as it's called.
0: But before you go there... We still need to talk WOOF here for a little while.
1: Oh, okay. Let's do it.
0: Yeah. So I, I do want to do a shout out to the Wolf program. I've had WOOFers come to the urban farm over the past 15 years. I, our first one arrived in 1999. And so if you're interested in exploring the WOOF network, it's www.woofusa.org for the USA version. And then you can also find the WOOF International org mm. site and most countries have their own woofing site I suspect where did you find Italy woofing gigs at
1: Oh, you know, the opportunities to woof on farms in Italy were so vast and great. I only made it through, like, the first 12 pages of <laughs> this book, and so I only was woofing in the northern part of Italy because they all sounded— uh, each of the farms was so interesting and unique wow. and amazing. So I, I worked on a vineyard. I worked with bees. I worked on a small farm. I worked on, you know, this farm near Lake Como. And it's so wow. beautiful. And I think it's a, a beautiful way to really learn about farming and mm-hmm. learn about, you know, what it's like to work in that environment, but also to be able to provide some help to those farmers on the mm-hmm. flip side. They really need it. Right. And and you also learn language. You learn culture. It's, oh, it's yes. a beautiful way to travel.
0: Yeah. When I found that when I was in Italy that Italian and Spanish are kind of the mm-hmm. same root language so I actually yes. understood a fair amount of the language there when they were speaking
1: yes me too I found that to be a feature as well so yeah. here in Arizona we speak Spanish and, and that did help us a, a bit in it
0: yeah yeah exactly so one basically the the gig is you volunteer your time on their farm generally they give you room and board you have to you know make that arrangements before you arrive but there are Woofing opportunities all over the planet. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Indeed.
0: Yeah. Cool. So Epcot Center, when (laughs) did you work there and for how long?
1: You know, it was it was an internship. A lot of people stay on after that. And I had a great time. Disney offers a lot of internships available Mm -hmm. to graduates of college programs. And the Epcot Center has a whole area called Living with the Land. And the land pavilion. So there's numerous greenhouses growing all sorts of vegetables and fruits frequently in the shape of Mickey. So I, I enjoyed very much that experience and learning about different controlled environment agriculture systems. Right. So this is all soilless. And, you know, that is very interesting and fascinating and can produce a great amount of food. However, I really love soil. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to get back to dirt, and I did. So I wanted to to work in the soil, and so I worked in the botanical gardens here in Tucson and then, you know, ended up working in compost where I am today. Yeah,
0: where you're at today. So where did the dirt girl come from, dirt girl?
1: <laughs> Well, I suppose I I have been known to dig around in the soil, like I said, from an early age. And one of the woofing gigs that I had in Italy at a biodynamic farm, I just jumped in, not quite headfirst, but into big piles of compost and was maybe had a nickname of Compost Queen for a while. But I just find it very amazing. all of the life that goes on beneath our feet,
2: mm-hmm.
1: the microbes are responsible for the growth of our of all of the life uh the plants that are growing in the soil are thanks to the microbes so i find that to be fascinating and just the the I'm driven by the fact that our, you know, our soils are kind of moving away from those, the rich diversity where where we need that life to be. And so I'm, I'm interested in helping people to understand what's going on in there and why we need to use compost and use healthy organic products and organic methods to, to grow our food and plants.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And where'd the dirt girl come from? Oh, I
1: you know, people just I don't know, it just stuck. It just, I got oh, I got called that a few times and then it it kind of stuck around. I can't and I can't say that I, I mind because I love dirt. Uh, yeah, although of course. technically it's soil, right? But yeah, you know. Yeah, we're gonna talk
0: about that. <laughs> All right, great. So let's let's go there actually now. So you said technically it's soil. So this is what I tell people in my classes. There's five components of healthy soil. Dirt is one of them organic matter, air space, water and everything that's alive in the soil. How did I do, dirt girl?
1: Yeah, I think that's a really a good way to list it. I would say physical qualities like mm-hmm. The porosity and the, the air oh, and the yes. water spaces, yeah, the chemical properties, that would be the nutrients and the, and the, the chemistry of the soil, mm-hmm. the pH, and then the biological aspect, those beneficial microbes and the, the life that, are, that is in the soil that are decomposing and allowing nutrients to be readily taken up by the plants.
0: Mm-hmm. So. It sounds to me like your definition of soil is a little bit different than mine, which is perfect. So I want you to review it again in steps because I heard it in there, but I want to be really clear for our listeners. Because as you said earlier, before we started recording, we can't cover this topic too many times.
1: (laughs) Yes. Well, soil is made of you know physical, chemical, and biological components, and the physical part of the soil is the sand, the silt, and the clay. That's the texture of the soil. Mm-hmm. The sand is the relatively larger particle size. The, the silt is smaller than that, and then the clay particles are kind of in these sheets. I sometimes like to you know make it analogous to breakfast soil. If you had, you know, kicks, those big round balls of cereal, those are like the sand particles.
2: Oh, right. The silt
1: is maybe like Rice Krispie Treats, so a little bit smaller, different shape.
2: Mm-hmm. And then the
1: clay could be represented by flakes, you know, like corn flakes. Mm. So all of these things together make up a healthy, balanced soil in the, in from a physical standpoint. Right and in between those particles you have air spaces that can be filled with air that is super important for roots to have access to air we forget about that it's just as important as water holding capacity in the soil mm-hmm. so if we have compacted soils we lose those air air and water pores so we want to make sure that we that we really take care to keep a balanced soil from a physical standpoint right and then the chemistry of the soil is made up by, you know, the the nutrients, the the nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, boron. I mean, there's a long list of all of the essential plant nutrients and that's all an important part of soil. mm mm-hmm. And the you know, other things like the pH and the soluble salts and the organic matter and the humus, that's all part of chemistry of a soil. Right. And then the third part is the biological aspect. So that would be our beneficial microbes, yeah. including the bacteria, the fungi, the beneficial fungi, like mycorrhizae, the beneficial nematodes, all the little guys that do all the dirty work. <laughs> and and that's how I would define a, a balanced, healthy soil Perfect. is to have all of those things working together. That When all of those things come together, you get healthy plants and yeah. productive fruit trees and and gardens. And the cycle continues because the plants shed leaves and animals may pass away and and leave their manure behind. Mm-hmm. And nature decomposes all of that and continues to build soil. Something that we hear a lot about is building soil. And yeah. we kind of can accelerate that process by adding compost and good quality composts and organic matters into the soil. So we're, we're accelerating it, or by adding mulch, kind of replicates nature's work of, mm-hmm. of uh, adding organic matter to the soil.
0: I was going to ask you if, you know, I, I have a dirt plot in my backyard. You know, dirt is generally highly compacted. Uh, what's the solution?
1: The solution to compacted soils, I, I know that You know, probably step one would be to avoid traffic in that area, Mm, Um, whether it be parking your vehicle on it or
2: large groups
1: of people walking on it. And then add that organic matter, start to foster Mm. and make that environment ideal for life because it's the beneficial microbes and things like earthworms that are, are, you know, channeling and, and tunneling through that to add airspace, which allows water to be held add the organic matter by putting in compost or even just mulch on the surface of the soil like woody mulch right wood is really important for the fungal colonies in the soil they really prefer a wood base uh, to grow upon you see those little white hairs Mm -hmm. um that that's the those are the beneficial fungi in the soil so that's a good thing
0: i got an email from somebody yesterday And they had been digging around in their backyard and they hit this big area of the white, you know, the white stuff. And they said, oh, my gosh, Uh, how do I get rid of this? (laughs) And it's like, no, don't get rid of it. That's exactly what you're after.
1: (laughs) Yeah, of course. And we're, you know, everybody's a little bit nervous about fungus, you know. Right, exactly. Or bacteria, you know, we're such an antibacterial society, and we need to get a little bit more comfortable with with oh, beneficials.
0: Yeah, I'm just going to say get over it. Sorry if I <laughs> offend anybody out there, but there are, there are more good bugs than there are bad bugs, and the more we kill the bad bugs, we also kill good bugs, and it throws everything off balance. So,
1: Indeed. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. So types of organic matter to add to your space. So you you've mentioned a couple. I want to kind of look at three of them. Compost... Okay mulch, and wood chips. You mentioned wood chips. And I I, I want to kind of distinguish the difference between compost and mulch slash wood chips. So go.
1: Yes. So wood chips are... are- are an excellent uh, feedstock or input, you know, to adding organic matter to the soil or in a composting operation, they're, they're wonderful feedstock. It's, it's important to allow time for those wood chips to decompose before they go into the soil around the roots. So you don't want to add wood chips in their woody form directly to the soil. Simply put, they demand nitrogen in order to decompose. Wood chips are primarily carbon. They have a very high carbon content. Mm -hmm. But in order for those bacteria and beneficial microbes to break down those wood chips, they require nitrogen. And nitrogen gets tied up in the microbes' bodies as the wood is decomposed. And in that time, it's not available to plants. It's actually tied up in their bodies, unavailable Uh for plants to take up. So if you put those wood chips in the soil, you will see yellowing. You'll see signs of nitrogen robbing, as it's called. Mm -hmm. Wood chips are best put on the surface of the soil. Try and mimic nature whenever possible. And that's what you see when you walk through the woods or a forest. You see woody particles, woody pieces on the surface. Over time, it's decomposed and and becomes part of the soil.
0: Yeah. So, Emily, that's wood chips. And... I always tell people you want to put a a nice layer of wood chips around the base of your trees and in areas of your garden where you're not going to be growing vegetables soon. So Mm -hmm. that's the wood chip part. Let's talk about compost and mulch, the difference between compost and mulch. How do we tell? Do we want to use mulch in our gardens and so on?
1: Yes. Yes, this is such a good question, because I think we, we use the words mulch and compost interchangeably sometimes when yes. really they're very different. Yep. So mulch is anything that you put on the surface of the soil, above the, the, the soil, to... Reduce evaporation, water loss from mm-hmm. the soil, um, to keep the roots cool in the summer, as it acts as a buffer or insulator. It also keeps the roots warm in the winter. It's just insulation. It breaks down over time, like we just spoke about, and mm-hmm. so it adds organic matter to the soil. It also can be a weed barrier. It's also quite lovely. It's beautiful. So lots <laughs> of lots of benefits of mulch, but surface of the soil mulch, compost goes into the soil and why is that it's because it's already decomposed the nutrients are readily available the bacteria has already broken down that carbon and nitrogen into readily available plant forms Mm -hmm. so a good compost has an a carbon to nitrogen ratio of less than twenty tanks, green stuff, organic compost is about sixteen to one so that and you can just also feel it. Compost feels different than mulch yeah. mulch is typically woody, and compost feels like soil it has that humus nature it kind of it kind of feels like good rich earth it has a nice earthy scent so Compost goes into the soil because it's, it's fully decomposed and ready to be taken up by the plants.
0: Got it. So what I tell people generally, tell me if I'm right here or wrong. You can tell me I'm wrong. That's fine. But when I grab a handful of mulch, you can identify mm-hmm. things that are in there. You can divide, identify sticks and leaves and that kind of stuff. And when yeah. I grab a handful of compost, it's just compost. There's no, no extra
1: Yes, that's a really good way to look at it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There there can be small pieces of of wood in compost, which provide a, you know, a long-term release of nutrients. That is acceptable. They also provide some uh, porosity, different pore sizes uh, mm, all to right. allow water holding and air mm-hmm. to exist in the soil. So that's a good thing. But you want to be able to crumble it a bit in your hands. It's it's already on its way to decomposition. Wood chips are, you know, larger and not yet decomposed. So that's a really good way to think about it.
0: Perfect. Perfect. So tell me about Tank's green stuff. Why do you guys do what you do?
1: Well, Tanks Green Stuff evolved from the need to recycle organic matter. It's called green waste, but I kind of cringe a little bit when I say that because it's not waste at all. Mm -hmm. It's a valuable resource. It's fully recyclable, and so much green waste or green landscape debris like trimmings from our logs and limbs and tree branches and garden clippings, that's all valuable recyclable material. So instead of it going into a landfill, let's recycle it and prolong the uh, life of our, our landfills for, for true waste and then put that organic matter back into our soils. So tanks, green stuff evolved from this recycling company, the Fairfax Companies. We created a composting facility here in Tucson. Uh-huh. We started small with a little John Deere compost turner alongside oh, and my we gosh. were making it's still used at our facility, but we did have to upgrade last year to a much bigger compost turner, and we're making you know upwards of thirty to forty thousand cubic yards of compost every year. Whoa, a lot of compost. Yeah. Um, people think it's going to smell bad when they come to our facility or it's going to be messy and and well it is a bit dirty but I think that's a good thing. The compost facilities is a really beautiful site to visit. And the mountains of green waste are very high, but we're constantly grinding up that green leafy debris, pulling out the logs and limbs to make wood chips. We make compost using organic dairy manure as 30% of the input. Wow. Um, the seventh, it provides wonderful nitrogen source, mm-hmm. and we do choose to use the organic cow dairy manure from Shamrock Farms here in Arizona. Nice. We add lots of beneficial microbes to Uh kickstart the composting process. Those microbes heat up the compost windrow, as it's called. It's just a long row of compost. It's Mm -hmm. called a windrow. And we carefully monitor the temperature to make sure that it's you know, hitting that 150 to 160 Fahrenheit range. Right. And that ensures that we're breaking down and decomposing the organic matter, turning it into compost. The heat also kills any potential pathogens that could be present in the compost right. inputs. And it also has the amazing ability to really cleanse and break down any potential contaminants. Mm-hmm. We hope that people follow organic methods and don't use chemicals. But the beauty of compost and composting is that it, de- it degrades chemicals in its, by, by nature. It's right. an amazing process.
0: Nice. Nice. Wow. So you have a large facility there in Tucson that you're doing composting at.
1: Yes, yes, and we're open to the public. We provide compost to backyard gardeners, mm-hmm. to landscapers, to nurseries, to farms. Very excited. We just were able to provide a great deal of compost for a mine reclamation site. Wow. So that's very exciting to know that the compost is out there working to clean that site up.
0: Yeah. Well, and you and I have a cool project going on. You approached me, what, about six, eight months ago? This is how we met. Yeah. We have a fruit tree program here, and we sell a lot of bagged compost and a lot of bagged materials. So we're actually we're going to be bagging some products for us for our program.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, we're very excited and, and honored to be working with the Urban Farm Fruit Tree Program and excited to make a custom mix for just just the thing that you're doing planting mm-hmm. fruit trees yeah. in our in in Arizona, where our desert soils have less than 1% organic matter in them, right. but naturally. So we need to make sure we add plenty of compost and organic matter, provide the necessary aeration and drainage and water-holding abilities so mm-hmm. we can grow healthy fruit trees.
0: Yeah, So, and, and you and I worked together and we designed a product for fruit trees and really for gardens, specifically for mm-hmm the desert Southwest here, tell, tell everybody what's in it. Cause it's, you know, it's, it's fascinating what we did there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the primary ingredient is organic compost tanks, a hundred percent organic compost. And like we just discussed that contains all of the nutrients that are f- readily available to the plants and the roots to take up. We really foster all those beneficial microbes in the compost. So those are alive and teeming and ready to get to work and the compost provides lots of water holding ability so Mm -hmm. that's important in in especially in in desert soils but also anywhere you've got to have water holding ability. We have some composted pine bark sourced here in Arizona that has a lovely fluffiness a nice aeration and it is an organic matter that we're adding to the soil We added organic coconut coir. A local company called ProCoco provides us with this organic cocoa, and that is a very long lasting organic material. Um, It lasts four to five years in the soil, providing lots of aeration
2: Uh
1: and water holding ability. I, I kind of think of it like a bit of a sponge in that it adds that fluffiness and aeration as well as water holding ability and nutrient exchange
0: right and now you you specifically like the coconut coir rather than something else tell us about that I, I, the reason the reason i ask this everybody is because i know how passionate she is about this <sighs>
1: Okay. Well, Canadian peat bogs are non-renewable resources or peat bogs anywhere, but we get a lot of our peat from Canada. Mm -hmm. And it's been used in the nursery industry for many, many years now, but we need to move away from that because it is non-renewable. The other reasons are uh, that the the peat doesn't work so well in our environment. Mm. It does dry out very quickly. Yes. Uh, It becomes very hydrophobic. Have you ever seen the water just run off of a six-pack of plants Mm -hmm. that have been grown, and you know it's a peat-based mix, and it, and it becomes hydrophobic? Yeah. That is not the case with coconut coir. Good quality coconut coir like this is, that's certified organic. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is that it you know, peat moss decomposes or degrades in, in about a year and acidifies. So it you can get these pockets of, you know, decomposed peat where you lose that porosity and airspace that we've talked about is so important. Mm-hmm. So for many reasons I we discouraged the use of peat and in. Encourage the use of a sustainable, renewable product that coconut co- co- coir is. It's the husk of the coconut. It's a byproduct of the coconut industry, and it works for a very long time. And it functions. It's a, It's excellent. It has a really wonderful aeration and water holding skill.
0: Yeah yay coco coir
1: yay coco coir but then the final ingredient in greg's tree planting mix and that's also wonderful for the for gardens is a horticultural perlite that adds a further element of drainage and porosity mm-hmm. to really balance out the mix
0: yay i love it that we came together and put that in place and you know blush it's got yeah. my name on it so
1: it's It's a great mix. I'm excited to to get it into the soil.
0: Perfect, perfect, perfect. So I'm going to shift on you, and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure, and what you might have learned from it.
1: Yes. Well, Tank's Green Stuff is available in about... 50 different retail locations uh, in addition to to our facilities where you can find the compost and other products like potting mix and such. I, I was thinking about the time that we had a big re- retailer pursuing tank screen stuff. They wanted to carry our products, and in the end, it didn't turn out. And at first we were disappointed because we thought this would be a great way to take our product um, to a much greater audience and more Mm -hmm. people can have access to great quality organic products that are good for people, plants, and planet. However... It helped me to realize that we could re- refocus on the smaller, more personal relationships with our local companies and local businesses and, you know, nurseries. Um, so I, I thought it was a failure, but in the end, I, I think it was a blessing.
0: And you learned?
1: And and I learned that I, I think that it's it's. Far better to work on a, on a smaller, more local scale. There's composters all over the U.S., and you can get local, locally made organic compost, hopefully, you know, in your region, in your state, in your, in yeah. your neighborhood and community.
0: Why is, why is it important to go local on that?
1: Well, everywhere you look green waste is being made whether it's our food waste and you know post consumer food waste or landscape debris every every community has a source of organic, you know, and so we can turn that back into our soils on a local level. I would, I would love to see every community making compost and seeing that available in their local nurseries and hardware stores and garden centers. So it's not necessarily a bad thing if we had been in, in that big retailer, but mm-hmm. I, it made me greatly appreciate the smaller scale yeah. that we work on now and the personal relationships that we have.
0: Yeah. Support local, big time. Indeed. Yeah. So what do you consider your biggest success?
1: I find that my partnerships that I so lucky to have um, with with organizations, nonprofits, schools, community gardens, and with new gardeners, when they give me the feedback that is so positive that they've had success, that they've set up
2: mm-hmm. programs
1: mm-hmm. with people growing food, it's so rewarding. And it, it feels so good to to be a part of that and to help them get there. And it helps us to to keep improving and keep growing and making new connections with like the urban farm very exciting, but another success I think is that we've we've just released an organic fertilizer it's called Tanks Supermix Organic fertilizer. Mm-hmm. We've been working on it for a few years now and have been doing field trials with this organic fertilizer and having amazing success growing vegetables, saving water, harboring beneficial microbes in the soil, building soil, building organic matter in the soil. So that's a great success to, to finally get our, our bags in and get product in the bags, nice. and it will be available very shortly. Yeah,
0: yeah I, you know what? It's always, when you're creating something new, whether it's a product or a business or, you know, something, there's always a a certain amount of energy that it takes to get it going. And it's always such a uh, satisfying place to get to when you, you know, when you get there, we're approaching 300 episodes on the, you know, on the urban farm.
1: Yeah. Congratulations.
0: And, (laughs) and it took a lot of work to get it there you know, now it's a little bit easier, but uh-huh. it's still, you know, there. Yeah. So I'm yay. Great. Great for you on that new product line. I'm looking forward to seeing it.
1: Thank you. And, and you must be so rewarded um, to hear people tell you about the fruit that they harvested and oh, see yeah. pictures. Yeah. Absolutely. I get those and that makes my day. It keeps me going.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So given that, what drives you?
1: Well, um, because there are so many folks out there that I think want to get into gardening and growing their own food and get more connected to their environment and, and to paying attention to what they eat and what they feed their families, that drives me. I mm-hmm. want to help others that haven't yet gotten there. I am so excited when I hear somebody say, oh, I have a black thumb. I think, no, 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 no. Yeah. You have a green thumb. You just had bad soil.
0: Oh, that's um, a good one.
1: <laughs> so we are just trying to share the good word of of using organics in the soil and help people understand what they need to do and help them to get there and, and have success. So that drives me.
0: Nice. Nice. And if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why?
1: I believe that one of the most enjoyable reads and the books that I remember almost on a daily basis is Barbara Kingsolver's Mm. Animal Vegetable Miracle. Mm -hmm. Have you read that?
0: I I haven't. Uh, It's on my... I'll lend you my copy. Okay, good. It's on my long (laughs) list of books to read. And, and and you're not the first you're not the first people have uh, you know two or three other people have suggested it so
1: yeah it's a part memoir part like journalistic investigation of um, this family vowing for that for one year they would only buy food raised in their own neighborhood or grow it themselves mm-hmm. or not have it at all, and it really goes through every season and every aspect of you know of the food system, whether it be vegetable or animal, and it really brought me a lot of awareness to to some food issues, environmental issues. I would highly recommend it, and it's also really fun and has lots of. Good- recipes in
0: it. Oh, there you go. And and she started in Tucson, I believe, right?
1: Yes, that makes it even more special. Yeah. Um, the book takes place in Appalachia, but she is a desert rat. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. What one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners?
1: Oh, please use good soil practices. Don't cut corners and, and use a cheap product or use just one inch of mulch when you really need several inches or some say feet but that saves water resources it saves time and money use good quality compost make your own soil if you can Mm -hmm. and then put use good organic practices that take care of the environment that take care of you and your family and care for the soil
0: amen to that thank you very much Thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Emily.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: You bet. So how can our listeners get a hold of you?
1: Well, they can find us easily on the web at tanksgreenstuff.com. dot com. Mm-hmm. We're also on Facebook and Instagram, always sharing neat videos and pictures of our composting operation and sharing the fruits of our gardeners' labors. They can also reach us at five two zero two nine zero two seven nine six and we are available in many ace hardware stores many nurseries and also pioneer pioneer in phoenix Mm, and tucson mm -hmm. does carry our products in bulk and in bags and if you're in another city i will figure out how to get it to you there you
0: go and this is for pretty much for arizona only right
1: well, our organic fertilizer is a 10 pound bag, and we're going to make that available by mail.
0: Oh, nice.
1: It's uh, got organic compost, mm-hmm. chicken manure, worm castings, biochar, you name it. It's Omri listed organic, wow. so we'll, we'll drop it in the mail to you.
2: Perfect, perfect,
0: perfect. You can find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash tanks, that's T A N K S, green stuff. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Nature doesn't waste energy, and by using these natural cycles to work in our favor, we can harvest both plants and fish. Let us teach you how. Just text GROWFISH to 33444 or visit IWANTTOGROWFISH.com, and you will receive our free webinar on how to grow your own fish-powered garden.
1: We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast.